past three years, each night, there were 6,000 youth homeless in Minnesota ages 10 to 24. COVID has drastically increased that number and decreased the number of shelter options. Many homeless youth fill emergency rooms with frostbite or worse. This is Glory, and I'm proud to partner with Cheryl and Jim again for the Homeless Youth Winter Wear Drive. This year, the Cheryl Reeve Show will be virtual with special guests Janice Shortle and other surprises. You can join us. One ticket will also include a Cheryl Reeve Show t-shirt and help us keep Twin Cities homeless youth warm. Get your ticket or make a donation at givemn.org WWD. Special thanks to Rudy Luther Toyota and U.S. Bank. Everybody. This is Glory, and I want to thank everyone for being here at the fifth annual Winter Homeless Youth Winter Wear Drive. Um, it's going to be a fun night. You know, we've got Cheryl Reeve and uh, Jana Shortle and uh, a couple of surprise guests. So um, first of all, I want to um, just be super quick. Um, if you have any questions whatsoever, um, please use the Q&A button down at the bottom. And you can ask questions throughout the whole entire show. Um, and we're gonna be doing our very best to answer them. Um, and also, if you have any technical issues or anything, put those in the chat. Uh, also, if, if you do see that the image is a little blurry, um, we figured out that that's going to be like your Wi-Fi connection. So um, you might want to adjust that um, or, or pay attention to that sort of stuff. So um, to kick it off, I just want to say thanks to Cheryl um, and Jim for the Cheryl Reeve Show um, and Talk North Podcast Network. I want to thank um, U.S. Bank, who came on this year as a huge sponsor. Um, you know, we were trying to figure out how we were going to get the funds that we needed to help not only the uh, 6,000 plus that we know homeless youth that are out in Minnesota every single night, but now with COVID, you know, it's exploded. And now a lot of the shelter options are closed down um, because of COVID. So uh, mostly, usually um, most of our donations are clothing donations that you guys bring to the um, Winter Wear Drive event with Cheryl Reeve and so forth. And so since we can't do that, we had to come up with a better way. Um, and so we asked, we just reached out and asked in like a matter of a week and a half um, for some um, sponsors and US Bank stepped up big time. Um, and Rudy Luther Toyota came on again for the second year and Minnesota Lynx came on uh, not only with a sponsorship, but they also donated a couple of um, autographed um, balls that you guys know about um, will be given away at the end of the drive, which is at the end of the week. Um, and also um, Cara Quinn and Vibe Realty and um, our friends John Knox and his team. Um, so anyway, uh, I think that's about all I had to say. Um, please do ask us questions. You don't have to worry about getting up in front of a, a using a microphone like normal at our live events. So just ask away. Um, and um, that's all I have. Oh, one other thing. 
I want to make sure everybody has, see if you can see, Grey Duck Vodka um, wanted to be a part. And so we have a, a party drink. So, you know, when we're at the live events, we all like to have fun. Um, and since we can't do that, um, we tried to figure out a way that we could kind of still be coming together and um, have a little bit of fun. So here's our homeless youth winter wear drive um, party drink for tonight. So I hope you guys all have yours. And oh, holy cow, that's really good. So um, that's all I have. And again, thanks so much. And we will talk to you guys later. Hi, Jim. Cheryl, how are you? Well, I'm participating. Are you, Jim? <laughs> I'm participating. Uh, this is the Gray Duck Bomba Juice. We can give out the recipe later. It's basically uh, Gray Duck Vodka, uh, strawberry puree, lemonade, club soda, and a garnish of lime. It's very good. And, you know, this, this is a basketball show. We're going to be talking about, a lot about the links, but if we're going to call something a Bomba Juice drink, uh, happy trails, Eddie Rosario, great twins player who's going to be leaving the organization. Who was one of the best members of the Bomba Squad. Hate to see him go, but we're going to we're going to talk about other things tonight. This is the Cheryl Reeve Show, part of the TalkNorth.com podcast. And of course, tonight it is much more than that. This is the 2020 Homeless Youth Winter Wear Drive. This is Glory Ramsey's baby. This is her fifth year doing it. I've been lucky enough to be involved some years when I've been in town. Jana Shortle, who will be a co-host of this event when she uh, gets done with her CARE 11 duties, be joining us shortly. And I'm going to get out of the way and let Jana and Cheryl and our great guests talk. We have a couple. Are our guests still surprise guests or are we going to announce who they are yet, Cheryl? Well, they should be surprise guests at this okay. point. We'll yeah. let people be surprised, but they are great guests uh, and they are courtesy of Cheryl Reeve. She has an in with these people. Uh, she might have you know, used a little, put an elbow on somebody to get them, you know, but they're the people who are joining us are great people and great basketball players. We're really lucky to have them. I want to thank the sponsors of our actual show, Glory Ramsey. You just uh, heard from, of course, of Successful Marketing Group. That is her business. Uh, separate from this, and we, of course, want her business to thrive. And also a longtime sponsor, Cara Quinn, C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N. She'll also be joining us later. Uh, we'll get, we'll get everybody involved. We're also going to answer questions. I see one of our friends, Nathan Hansen, has already uh, posted a question. I'm going to start the show here, Cheryl. December 8th, 2009, you became the coach of the Minnesota Lynx. You know, I around, I guess, 1940, no, 19, <laughs> 1990, I came here for a job interview. I'd never been here before. I almost froze to death before I got the job. <laughs> when you came here to interview and when you started the process, how much did you know about Minnesota and Minneapolis and the Lynx and how much this has been learning on the fly? Well, I felt like I knew a fair amount. I had been in the league for, you know, quite, quite a long time. So I uh, uh, started in the league in 2001. Minnesota, uh, you know, was actually, I, I was just telling this story to a, to a group that I spoke to today that uh, we enjoyed coming to Minneapolis. Uh, and that was something I really wanted to change. I did not want our opponents to come to Minneapolis and enjoy the food, the drinks, the partying after the game. Uh, we wanted to become a place that nobody liked coming to, that you knew you were going to come there and get your ass kicked. Uh, the food wasn't going to taste as good afterwards. Uh, drinks weren't going to be cold. Uh, so that was the mission because I knew what it felt like as an opponent. Um, and so, gosh, I can't believe it. Um, here we are in 2020. Uh, I, I can't believe it's gone exactly as we thought it would. Uh, you know, the, we, we won all the championships. It's exactly what we had in mind. 
but uh, no, but you know, it's, it's been incredible. Uh, I, I will say the only thing I ever said about Minneapolis was that I would never live here. Uh, and, and the story <laughs> is I, I, I was recruiting um, for George Washington university and, you know, we had a, uh, top 10 program and we were flying all over the country recruiting and uh, came to uh, Minnesota and uh, it was in March. And so I was typically used to uh, in March that, you know, I could maybe just throw on a light jacket. And uh, I think, and I was known for not bringing a jacket. Uh, my parents, you know, that was always a problem for them. Uh, Where's your jacket, Cheryl? Uh, well, I haven't made that mistake uh, again here in Minneapolis because in March in Minneapolis, a uh, long, long time ago when I was recruiting here, walking across, across campus uh, to go to a, to a game, uh, I, I, was, I was just frozen. And I thought, Minneapolis is one place I'll never live because it's so cold. And then I learned never say never because obviously I've made a home here in Minneapolis and I absolutely love it. Uh, it's been tremendous uh, for me, my family, um, just have met so many great, great people and Gloria Ramsey being one of them, um, you know, you know, the, the great work. Uh, she gets all the credit on this winter wear drive. Uh, she just simply had an idea of, you know, maybe doing something at one of the live shows. And here we are five years later, about to raise 20 grand uh, for our homeless youth. And um, so I just, you know, hats off to uh, Gloria and all the great things that she's doing with this. I donated this afternoon. You can donate. I'm sure you already have, but just spread the word. GiveMN.org slash WWD. Uh, I donated really because it's the only way I can get a Cheryl Reed t-shirt and <laughs> I need my Cheryl Reed t-shirts. So uh, it's great. Look, and the thing I like with, we all support different charities for different reasons. I love the ones that are, that are so direct and simple. And we know we're not paying for a CEO. We're paying money that will go directly to a cause that will solve a very specific problem. And it's a great cause. Um, you know, I, you were talking about being in Minneapolis. I interviewed here in February of 1990 and I'd never been to Minnesota. I'd never really been North of probably New York. I had no idea it could be this cold. I had no idea. So I worked <laughs> right now and stood outside the hotel waiting for my future boss to pick me up. And I almost died on the spot. And I too said, I will never work in Minneapolis. And that was 30 years ago. So we're not very good at predicting. Sports writers are never good at predicting things, but even in our own lives, we're not good at predicting things. Well, luckily it's a lot warmer these days. I mean, look at what December has brought and, and uh, you know, that global warming thing is real. <laughs> well, uh, there, there has to be a silver lining to that, right? Now let, let's get to a, a question from Nathan Hanson. Nathan's been listening to the show and obviously been a big Lynx fan for forever. And he asked, what would you say is your favorite moment in 11 years of being Minnesota's greatest coach? The favorite moment? Oh my goodness. Um, you know, just a moment. Um, you know, one that has stuck with me is from my first year when the guy behind me a couple rows up uh, was heckling me. Uh, and it's my favorite because of how things turned out and, uh, you know, I, I uh, think he was, I was really touting. We were going to be a great defensive team. We were going to turn it around. We were going to win. And we were getting beat by 30 by Indiana at home. And, and our defense wasn't very good. And he was letting me know about it. Uh, and then also we had a fan. So these are all things I remember. We had a fan in the off season that asked me if I would resign if we weren't successful. Uh, and I said, obviously, uh, I would resign if we weren't successful. And so, you know, um, it's worked out okay. Uh, that's a decade later 
Um, I'm still here without having to resign. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, favorite moments. You know, draft days for me are, are some of uh, some of the best moments, the most fun moments. Um, and and I, when I think about, you know, how things have turned out uh, for us in the draft, um, obviously Maya Moore with the number one pick. There were some great picks uh, before I got here. But um, I think, you know, I mean, obviously Nafisa Collier probably has to be up there, you know, the day that we were able to. Uh, to draft her. So I, I could keep going on and on and on. Obviously winning championships those days are, uh, I hope on all of our lists, really, really high uh, because there's nothing like winning a championship, that, that feeling. And I don't have, you know, just one. Uh, it's a collection of moments. I think that's what makes it really cool. It's, it's a collection of moments. And it's always, uh, I would be remiss if I didn't say the most important thing is the relationships uh, that we've been able to develop through the years. Was Kevin McHale who was heckling you? <laughs> it wasn't Kevin. <laughs> no, I, I never knew who it was. I tried to turn and look because I'm really bad. I usually don't hear anything. Uh, I'm not somebody that really, you know, people will say, didn't you hear this? Didn't you? No, I, I really, I didn't see too much. And <laughs> uh, But this one I heard loud and clear and uh, I wanted to turn and look to see who it was and let him know he was right. Uh, and that <laughs> I was trying, but uh, yeah, but uh I, I think the next year we were number one in defensive ranking and, you know, won the championship. And I just wanted to see if I could find him and let him know, uh, make sure that he was cheering us on just as loudly as he was heckling us. <laughs> I'm sure he's on Twitter now. Probably. probably. <laughs> and when did the, when did you start considering, did you ever consider becoming a general manager? Was that something that just came out of nowhere? Yeah. I don't necessarily know that I ever, wanted to do it or didn't want to do it. it wasn't necessarily that I think uh, I enjoyed the partnership that I had with Roger Griffith who was the general manager who hired me um, so I'm forever grateful to Roger uh, for the opportunity to to be the Lynx coach and I thought we worked uh, well together uh, I thought we were we were kind of good at balancing one another so I liked the relationship of having someone like that uh, and you know I wasn't necessarily um, you know, looking uh, for Roger to, to be out of there and then, you know, me to take on the role. It just became necessary when, when, uh, when Roger was moving on retiring, you know, believe it or not, uh, lucky guy to re retire so early uh, still comes to Lynx games. Um, but um, you know, it wasn't, wasn't something I necessarily aspire to or didn't aspire to, but I've enjoyed, I've enjoyed the experience and the responsibility. What, is going on with you right now in terms of basketball. I know we talk about this on the regular show, but we really want to get into, you know, some, some new territory tonight because we have so much time. Give me a, a snapshot of your life. You're, you're home. I assume you're both working from home. Uh, you have a son to raise, you have dogs, and you're trying to run an entire basketball operation <laughs> on a daily basis. And we're going through a renovation. That, that's, hey, uh, well, that's perfect. Contractors perfect in and out. <laughs> Um, you know, like everyone, you know, just everything you said, and then distance learning on top of that, I've got a kindergartner. Um, uh, so it's, uh, you know, I think like everybody else, um, you know, you kind of wake up with a purpose each day and, and, uh, you know, I think for us, it depends on what's going on basketball wise, you know, schedule, we, we have a pretty flexible schedule. Um, so we'll, you know, whatever's called for that day in terms of, for me, I don't, I'm not a sit down at this hour and, and stay in front of the computer until this hour. I'm a little more bouncing around doing things and knocking out requests and, and, uh, you know, spending some time obviously on the, the task at hand with our, 
uh, roster, try to stay in touch with our players, you know, deal with any situations that they may have come up, being in touch with our trainer. Uh, and really right now, just a lot of scenario planning, um, not so much around uh, the seasons uh, for us, but, but for us as, uh, as a staff, we meet weekly uh, around what our roster will look like um, next year. And um, today, or, or no, it was M- Mondays are our meetings. Um, I, I think one of the coaches proposed trading the Fisa Collier, and I thought it was a really bad idea. Uh, so I let them know that. So we poo-pooed that. So fee's probably going to be a part uh, of our future. So, but yeah, that's, that's essentially what we're doing. We're, we're scenario planning for our roster. Uh, we've got to submit um, beginning January 1, which is just weeks away now. Uh, we have to uh, begin working on our uh, qualifying offers. It's the first couple of weeks of free agency where you uh, ensure that you have, you know, rights to the players that, that you want rights to. January 15th, we start negotiating. I'm sorry. We we start to uh, yeah we start to to talk with players and negotiating and uh, February one uh, will be the the signing date. So it's it all comes very very quick. It it goes kind of slow postseason, uh, kind of slow slow slow, and then boom, you know, January one hits and it just really flies. So your preparation in November and December are really important to set you up well for January. Do I see that Jana has joined us? So you're with us, Jana. Jana. Hello from Mission Control. Hello, <laughs> the boss is here. We all better be good from now on. Are you ha- are you having a cocktail like the rest of us, Jenna? Does this? She needs a cocktail. Like, I know this. Look, I mean, look at this place. It's gorgeous. These are the bowels <laughs> of Care Eleven, friends. I'm so pleased. Thank to you join for being you. here, Jenna. Yeah, you are so festive, Coach. <laughs> you know, I try. Uh, I have a six year old, so you know, I thought maybe the the reindeer and, you know, we actually just watched Rudolph the Reindeer, uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, you know, the one that we watched when we were kids. And uh, it's, it's interesting, the, the quality of the video is not as good as the things yeah. we watch us today. Uh, but but he's, into, he's into Rudolph now. Fair enough. Where's your Rudolph sweater, uh, Jim? Actually, I have two, two dogs that might come down in their Christmas garb a little later in the show. So that's nice. That's my contribution to the festiveness. I, I do have... Jenny, you came in late. I do have the Bomba Juice from Grey Duck. Uh, that's that's my Christmas color right there. Grey Duck with a little bit of Chris Hockey. You might little, recognize special go. edition. A, a bit of trivia for uh, Chris Hockey fans out there and vodka fans too. Uh, Chris Hockey was born on Christmas Day. Oh, wow. He's a gift to us that. all. Right. Well, that's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> that's what he says. That's right. Yeah, that's what he says. No, seriously. Us. I mean, I've, I've, I've seen Chris live. He's a, a phenomenal uh, performer and we have he is. we have a handful of people around the twin cities who are just world-class performers artists and who you know they've made it but they haven't probably made it to the level they deserve to make it and he, he is among that group well jim you have something in your back i'm sorry go ahead jana no no go ahead well i was just noticing your background uh jim's a we get to talk about this from time to time you're a musician oh uh, yeah. tell us about those instruments uh, well, one is a Nash Stratocaster. One's a, a beat-up old Fender Telecaster. Those are two of my four electric guitars. And uh, my band actually opened for Chris Hockey's band once, I think, at Turf Club. Very cool. Yeah. Are you actively playing, Jim? Yeah, we're still, I mean, we're, we're trying to socially distance and practice at the same time. It's not easy, but we're trying to manage. Our bass player wears a mask. Uh, we get tested frequently. So we're trying to keep it together. Obviously, you can't go out and perform at a bar at this time. So 
we're we're on hold. We're practicing, but on hold. You could do some caroling. You know, I, I really prefer to sing with uh, a very loud band behind me. I think that's the best way for me to to present my voice is where you can't really hear it. <laughs> I, I don't know what I missed here, friends. I, I jumped in right when uh, Coach Reeve was talking about trading Collier. What? <laughs> that's a done deal. Well, we poo pooed it. So you yeah, can get it on the ten o'clock news. Nobody start any rumors. Don't start any oh, rumors. No, no, no. Hey, that's that's actually a good time. You guys want to bring our our first. Uh, Special guest, I, I, uh, I worked long and hard with this uh, particular person's booking agent, um, and uh, you know I had to really um, wait. Who's this? Looks like we have feet. <laughs> Looks like a zoom That's, bomb. That, oh wait! It, oh, you must have heard the rumors. See what the fee? It's not true. The rumors. No, I aren't... need to talk to whatever coach you were talking to, so I can have a little <laughs> word with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it was one of your post coaches. Um, they were, um, well, I mean, did you tell them that you were, well, we'll kind of get into this. Uh, I wanted to give you an introduction fee. Um, uh, Nafisa Collier, uh, has, uh, not only, uh, been obviously one of the best overall number six picks in the history of the league, um, probably should have gone number one that year. Um, and I was hoping that nobody would figure that out. And we got very, very lucky and, and, uh, I think fee wanted to be in Minnesota and it, it's kind of worked out okay for us, right fee? Absolutely. I'm so happy I'm here. And so, so you look at Nafisa Collier in just her second season uh, has emerged as not just uh, you know, one of the best players on the Minnesota Lynx, but uh, the entire league. Uh, and so, Fee, talk about from your rookie year to now about how everything has gone exactly as planned. Uh, and so for you to catapult yourself into this space of, of being one of the faces of the league. Yes. Well, um, I mean, even before the season started, I remember you and I, you have individual meetings with, with everyone and you had a list of goals for me that I needed to achieve that year, um, like percentages, rebounds, you know, what I needed to do on the court. And after the season was over, we went over and saw that, um, that I had met those goals. So that that's really helpful for me to have those goals and to have something to kind of um, push towards. So it's been you know, not obviously the season that we thought we were going to have being in the bubble with everything going on. Um, but, you know, I was so honored when you guys named me captain and uh, I try to kind of get out of my comfort zone a little bit to try to talk more than I usually do. And I know I still have a long way to go, but it's so awesome to have people like Syl to look up to and to have her take me under her wing. Um, having being being one of the best players in the league, um, going down in the Hall of Fame to have her as a teammate. It's just been amazing. So um, I've loved both years that I've been here and I look forward to the future. Now, Fee, what do you think of uh, being uh, garnering votes for defensive player of the year? Did you ever think having come out of UConn and playing for coach Oriam and when he used to tout how great your defense was, no, he didn't. Right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> your senior year, did you get defensive player of the year in college? I did. Okay. So, so you've continued that. And uh, Gino, I think he told me that's what he was most surprised about that, he, that you were able to actually play defense in our league too. Oh my gosh. You can imagine. Yeah. Because that, right? he harped on me for like three years before that. And I guess I finally got together that last year. So he didn't think I could do it, you know, to, Three years, I guess, in a row. <laughs> yeah, we, we've enjoyed, uh, you know, Fee's become great, uh, great at shot blocking. Help side. And so we, we made a nice little highlight video that. The uh, um, volleyball. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, <laughs> the wall up. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, Jan and Jim, I don't want to monopolize the time. You guys want to fire something at feet? Well, I did want to ask Fee, you know, I was talking to Lindsay Whalen at one of the Olympics that I got to cover her at, and Cheryl was probably there too, about a bunch, along with a bunch of other Lynx players. And she, Lindsay made a point of saying, I feel really lucky. You know, I, I'm getting to play for Gino at the Olympics. I get to play for Cheryl at home. I feel like I'm playing for the best two basketball coaches in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, does that ring true to you? And if so, what, what separates Cheryl and Gino from maybe other coaches? It does ring true. And I think that's one of the reasons why it was easier for me to adjust is because their coaching styles and the things that they expect from their players are so similar. And I think that's why they have both been so successful is because every single day at practice, they expect you to give a hundred percent, no matter what you're doing. And to make that into a habit, I think that's what builds great teams. Um, it's in the details is what coach is always saying. And to expect that excellent excellence in every detail, I think is um, what really sets them apart from other coaches. My follow-up to that is who's harder to play for? I'm sorry? <laughs> who's harder to play for? Who's harder to play for? <laughs> um, I really think that Coach Reed gets a bad rep. I don't think that she's, you know, I, I think she's great. She lets go. She um, lets things go really easily. Um, I think it's because our schedule is we play so many games that you have to kind of move past things to get to the next game to focus on who we're playing. So I love that. <laughs> feet, feet, Otherwise I'd be the you. same. I'd be railing on you. <laughs> Tell me about her bad rep. I didn't know she had a bad rep. Let's hear all about <laughs> I heard, you know, I heard some rumors. She's a yeller and things like that, but I haven't had, I think it's been great. She's always been nice to me. That's all I know. <laughs> I yeah, yell very know. helpful things, right? Exactly. To the point. Sometimes very your voice just gets like a little bit louder, louder, but it's just the passion. It happens at home too. Oliver, <laughs> Oliver's, you know, he gets, he gets very upset. You know, why are you yelling at me? And I said, it's funny. That's what our players say too. So I have to work on that. <laughs> helpful things. The Cheryl Reeve story. Right. <laughs> just speaking with emphasis. It's just, it's, exactly. it's, it's passion. That's all. Yeah. When it comes all the way from the heart, it's just like, it comes out louder. I'm shouting right <laughs> now, and I'm in the next room. I'm not in the no, one of, Jana, one of the things that you wanted to know that when we were we were talking was uh, you wanted to ask Fee. I'll, I'll let you ask it. Do you remember what it was? Nope, but I have one question before we okay. start from the people. T with Fee. Yes. Yeah. Is going to happen again? We're hoping. We had so much fun, and I always joke that I think we had more fun than people even did listening to us because – it was so fun. Asia has such a big personality and she's so quick to laugh and to smile. So being with her and doing our little tea with AMV was just kind of a great escape from, you know, our everyday bubble life. And it was really fun for us. So definitely, hopefully in the future, we will continue. Yeah, I think you could syndicate that. I promise you. Um, but I won't take away from the play. You know, Fee, most of the questions I get from folks about this season in addition to it being inspiring and incredible was what was it like, like for real, what was it like? It was, I actually had a really good time. I thought, especially being so close from college. um, I don't know if people who are more far removed enjoyed it as much, but it really felt like that college atmosphere because you were housed with your teammates. Again, we were in villas. So we had, you know, four people in a room. I was roomed with crystal. Um, So I went to college with her and, being having everyone around and having such easy access to them, I thought was awesome. And so, um, you know, the campus was really big. They did great to make sure that we were entertained and things like that. So I think that they definitely made the best out of, you know, not the ideal situation. 
Last question for me. You said you were rooming with Crystal. Did you expect Crystal Dangerfield to have the year she did? Uh, <laughs> I didn't. I mean, I knew Crystal was obviously a great player. I played with her for three years, um, but I think she really took the challenge on her back and exceeded everyone's expectations. And it was so fun to watch her and to kind of see her grow even more from the year that we've been apart. Just seeing her explode like that, it was really something to watch and be a part of. I didn't know how much swag she had. Yeah, she's. A, I mean, she has the heart of a lion. That's what I think she is does. so fun to watch. She does. It's all about opportunity. Fee had the opportunity as a rookie. Uh, I didn't know if Crystal would have the same opportunity that Fee had. Uh, and, you know, it's all about opportunity and timing. And so for both Fee and for, for Crystal, it worked out great back-to-back -back rookies of the year. So pretty pretty impressive. Should we bring in our, our second uh, very, very special guest? My This was the booking agent that I was referring to. It was very, very difficult to, to get this uh, particular person on the docket here. Uh, my favorite uh, Minnesota player on the roster, Rachel Bannon. <laughs> Hi, Rachel. Hi. Rachel. Hey, Thanks Rachel. Thank you for being so here. Awesome. We appreciate it. Sure. I know you wanted to keep hitting your video to start your video because you've been holding for a long time. Like, I want to play. I want in. I know you. I That's what so you were doing. I wanted to say I was cracking up. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have your Bomba juice, guys? Oh, water. Did you get a chance? They're in training. Water. Dehydrated. Unlike the bubble, huh? <laughs> <laughs> well, tell me. Come on. Let's hear some uh, imbibing stories from the bubble. Rachel? <laughs> we were classy. Um, the best part that we did outside of like being off the court was we called it club links. It was like the links lounge. Like every team had their own little lounge, but um, Cheryl and Claire and all them made it like a really fun experience. They had a couch, a fridge that was fully stocked. Um, <laughs> just like a really cool space for us to like go play games, talk. We were dancing. We had a fog machine. So it was like, <laughs> a cool way to like get away. And we would call it club links. And we're like, everyone hit up the club tonight. So that was, that was fun. Uh, why did you have a fog machine? Just <laughs> cause, cause we're classy. Yeah. Cause it's awesome. Best answer. You Thank know, you. when you're dancing, it makes me a better dancer. I need a lot of fog. I <laughs> Beep. Uh, uh, there are several videos of Coach Reeve dancing this year. They brought me joy. Uh, oh, yeah. Can, can, can each I got duped. Yeah, teach each of you. Fee, Rachel, take your time. Walk me through this. <laughs> it was Lexi Brown's idea. She was the TikTok queen on our team. It was so She brought funny. that upon us. Oh, my God. It was so funny. I can watch Cheryl dance forever. It's so funny. <laughs> oh, cool. Cheryl, would you like to? One of the few. <laughs> <laughs> Cheryl, you got room there, and there's a rug, so you could cut it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, not enough Bomba juice. <laughs> yeah. Well, I not got duped into that TikTok. I didn't have any idea what was happening there. So I learned a lot. I learned a lot. How Rudy do you trust? get duped into a TikTok? I didn't have any idea what was going on. Lexi just said, hey, would you do this? And I didn't know what was happening. I thought we were just having fun, you know, dancing post-practice. And they were. And five minutes later, there's TikTok. And I'm like, TikTok? I didn't even know what TikTok was. So they're like, Coach, you're on TikTok. What does that mean? <laughs> and I saw it and went, oh, my goodness gracious. As my dad would say, it's out there. Yeah, I'm sure you did. You said, oh, my goodness gracious, right, Jim? <laughs> I loved it. I thought it was aces. I worked long and hard on my birthday dance. That, that one was oh, also yeah. good. That, that uh, yeah. 
did? That one I think it was for a while. Odyssey was going, what is she doing? Oh my God. <laughs> what is she trying to do? It was impressive. You knew like, it really was. Dances. I did. I didn't do them that well, but I, you know. <laughs> you had tried. a very good variation, lots of different dances that we meshed together. Thank Who you. was the team choreographer for all of this? Like, or Cheryl, do you just get inspired and it comes <laughs> through your body? Well, no. So actually when it's your birthday, um, we, we always have, you know, when we circle up, we, we celebrate the birthday. We say we have a birthday today. We'd talk about that person when they were born and, and they have to do a dance. And then there's a paddle wheel to follow that. So that's tradition, long honored tradition. So, you know, coaches are a part of it. So um, I'm not going to be somebody that I'm not going to celebrate my birthday with the, with the group. So I, I spent all of five minutes the night before going, what am I going to do? Practice in front of a mirror a few times, but oh God, I'm in trouble. <laughs> you really think I practice in front of the mirror? <laughs> I can see it. <laughs> hey, we have a, another uh, attendee question from Nathan. He wanted to ask Nafisa while we still have her on, uh, what's it like to play yourself in a video game? Um, I actually haven't played myself, but I've seen other people and um, it's alarming. I don't know. <laughs> I like <laughs> the video, <laughs> but it's, it's really cool because, um, you know, obviously my brother plays a lot of games and to see him play or um, to have people like tag me in and stuff. It's just, it's really cool. So it was a fun experience. Uh, Rachel, and Rachel you're a gamer, right? Not at all. Huh? Not a video gamer. Nope. <laughs> While you're both still here, um, also as a, as a fan and, and also as a journalist, kind of witnessing what the WNBA did this season, continuing to be the leader in professional sports and social justice. Uh, can you talk about that, what it m meant to you, what it was like to go through this season, this year, being in a bubble with so much on your back? You're from Minnesota, you're from Minneapolis. A lot has happened here. Can you talk a little bit about that? Um, yeah, I mean, obviously really tough year for so many reasons, but going to the season, it wasn't ideal, but it was really cool because in the beginning, all WMA players talked, um, we went on a Zoom call and we all said that we were going to do this and that we were going to go into it with the right intentions of, you know, putting social justice first. And I think that we completely did that to a T. So that was really, really cool. And it was just fun to like all be together and be able to have those conversations that we normally wouldn't have in a regular season. And um, yeah, so like that was really, really special. Um, just being with all those women and like just collabing all together the whole time. Yeah, That's everything, I'm oh, sorry. Go ahead, Jenna. Oh, I'm sorry, Fee, go ahead. I mean, basically everything Rachel said, it was really awesome to, um, under such horrible circumstances, obviously, to be able to come together with so many strong women. Um, and the bubble really allowed us to be in person to have these conversations that we wouldn't have been able to have during a regular season. Um, being all in the same room, being able to make decisions together, I thought was really important. And um, I really feel lucky that we were a part of a league also that backed us so fully because I know not everyone has a job that does that. And the fact that we are a part of that and to be a part of the 144 women who stand up for something that they believe in and so passionately um, it was, like I said, the circumstances weren't good, but to be a part of that was really amazing. Yeah, commanding that conversation to happen at home because the WNBA didn't do it a little bit, not in tiny mm -hmm. font on the back of a helmet. 
it was front and center the entire time from the coaches to it seemed like from league league leaders to every player uh yeah it, it started conversations And what was great was your ratings went up. So the argument that uh, some sports viewership went down because of protests or because of social justice uh, blew that up. Uh, a couple of questions from attendees here. I'll, I'll kind of wrap two questions into one while I have both of you. Uh, Jillian asked, how, uh, how do you continue the Black Lives Matter movement beyond the 2020 season? And Erica asked, did being in the bubble enhance the way players were able to communicate and organize around the Say Her Name campaign? and ongoing protests throughout the summer? Um, I think that um, it definitely, I think we talked about that, how we don't want to just make this like a one-time thing, how we want to continue it and keep the conversation going. Um, I think a big part of our uh, movement was to get out and vote. And you saw a huge, I'm not like a huge surplus of people voting this year. I think it was more than um, ever. So that was really our main goal. And I think, you know, we're going to continue to have these kind of conversations um, and being in the bubble absolutely did help. Like I said, we were able to come together in person, which takes out a lot of the complications of being on the phone or having a representative from your team talk, because that way, obviously not everyone's voice gets heard. So being in the bubble, being in the same room allowed us to kind of get through those issues a lot quicker. I second all that, what B said. She hit it spot on. And I think it helps too, like having Cheryl, Rebecca Brunson, people who are willing to like really fight and like advocate um, from the top all the way through our team. I think that makes it really powerful as well. Is it hard? I mean, is it hard to just take that on as it, just as a human being and put yourself in, in kind of the crosshairs of, of, you know, some nasty people, frankly? Um. I mean, it's always hard to stand up for things that, you know, you know, you're not that not everyone agrees with. And it's going to be so opposite, you know, um, really opinionated people on both sides. But again, I think being surrounded by so many like minded, strong women um, really helped. And I know not everyone is in that situation. If, you know, your family or your circle of friends or whatever it may be, it's a lot harder to be the only person standing up for what you think is right. Um, so being surrounded by my team in the league, I think made it a lot easier for us to kind of lean on each other and um, grow and support each other because of it. Jana? I was just going to ask coach what it was like for you. You and I have had conversations, but if you like share what it was like from your, your seat, I remember you sharing with me once that I think it was after, um, after Jonathan's exoneration, after he got out of prison and we talked about Maya Moore having to make a choice and she should have never had to make a choice. Uh, can you talk a little bit about the, your experience? Yeah, um, you know, as, as you alluded to, we've been sort of engaging in this arena fully uh, since 2016 when our, our captains, um, Maya and Rebecca and Simone and Lindsay, uh, put themselves forward uh, around uh, the murder of Philando Castile. Uh, we were actually on the road in Connecticut, and uh, when this happened, there was also uh, a murder down in Baton Rouge. It hit, it hit us really hard. Uh, and I know for me, when I woke up and I thought, if, if I'm feeling this way uh, as a white uh, person, what, might, what could my team possibly be feeling as it was game day? And I know that if I woke up to that news, uh, not really caring too much about the game, that we were about to play, that I knew it had to be really heavy for them. 
Uh, and so that's where, you know, we just started, uh, you know, a lot more conversations uh, around these sorts of things and what could we do? Uh, and then fast forward that to 2020, um, never did we want to be uh, in the heart of this thing. Um, you know, when you, you name cities and throughout our history, Minneapolis is now a part of history in a way that you just don't want to be. Uh, you know, the murder of George Floyd for all to see uh, in such an inhumane way. Um, we were Zoom calling at that time. I remember, you know, our team was just starting to get together uh, and we were Zoom calling and uh, doing PowerPoint presentations. I, I think our players probably remember, Rachel, if you probably remember PowerPoint presentations about our defense and what we were going to do, et cetera. Uh, and then, you know, we were, we were faced with this and I remember thinking the same thing. The last thing we want to be doing is zoom calling about basketball. Uh, and it also felt very overwhelming that, um, we didn't do enough the first time and that we needed uh, to do more and be more relentless about this. Uh, we don't have any visions of grandeur that this is simply going to go away if we stand up and, you know, shake our fists a little bit, um, but I think it was more about we have to get more immersed. We have to educate ourselves better uh, about how we can make meaningful change. And that's what we saw, um, you know, uh, not only from our team, but obviously the, the great work in the bubble. It was very heavy, very heavy. And, and then while we're down there, Kenosha happens. You know, the, you know, um, the, the you know, gentleman shot seven times in the back, um, you know, and it led to, um, you know, us you know, stopping playing and, um, it just, it hurts. I mean, it, it hurts deeply. Uh, and, and I, I try to tell people that, you know, there are some that just don't understand that they think we should just play basketball. Um, and I try to explain to them that th these are people that are playing basketball. They're people first. They're, they're families, uh, that are affected. Uh, the number of, um, WNBA players that I've been around, uh, since 2001. So 20 years the number of families that have talked about being racially profiled, number of players that have talked about being followed in a retail store because they're black and they're afraid somebody's going to steal something. They hear the stories, the countless stories, and the number of times even that a, a sibling had a gun drawn on them. Uh, it is overwhelming. And, and so this 2020, I mean, there's obviously a lot uh, to unpack here, but when it comes to um, you know, social justice reform, I think we're going to look back, you know, when Fee and Rachel uh, are, you know, in their rocking chairs and looking back, they're going to know that they were a part of something meaningful that changed the world, not just what's happening here, but changed the world and how we look at things and, uh, and, and writing, you know, some very, very serious wrongs. And we were a part of that, you know, Fee mentioned the voting. I can't tell you the pride I felt uh, on election day to, to, or even just the, the early voting, just smashing the numbers. And it was voter turnout that, that was, uh, that, you know, more than in a, in a century, um, you know, the, the most votes ever cast, it's nuts. And so the power of our voices, uh, the, what we did in Georgia, you know, what the WNBA players did in, in supporting, um, you know, the, uh, war knockdown in Georgia and, and opposing, Kelly Loeffler, who, who has ownership in the WNBA team, it was powerful. That's how I, I felt moved every day being around. Uh, their fortitude to not only be great at what they do, but then also to commit so fully to something so heavy. Uh, I, I was just incredibly proud. And, and I walked away from the bubble just feeling like we accomplished so much. Cheryl and I talk about 
this all the time on our podcast. Jana, of course, talks about it all the time. But Fee and Rachel, I haven't had a chance to ask you two about this. Uh, what does it mean to you to see uh, Kamala Harris on the ticket, you know, about to become vice president of the United States? It's so cool. It's awesome. Um, I think it's something that we've always wanted to see. So like now seeing it and like being alive to see it. I don't know. I think it's so cool. Cause I, it's, it's cute. My grandma um, has always said like how cool it is to see a woman up there. And um, I know like when Hillary Clinton was running for president, she's like, it would have been so cool to see a woman represent us. And it was so cute and so genuine. She's like, you know, I hope I see that, you know, she's getting older and then this happened. So I'm like, this is so cool. Like, we all get to experience this together. So it's awesome. It is really cool. It's, it's cool to be a part of history to be, you know, when I asked my grandma too, like stuff that's gone on in history, I'm like, what were you thinking at the time that this happened? And this is a part of us. Like, what were, what were we doing at the time that we saw that this happened, that a black woman was named vice president to the United States. It's just an amazing thing to see. Um, and it really, I don't know. I just feel like it's one of those things that you'll never forget where you were, what you were doing. Janet, did you have something? No, I, 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 nothing that could ever follow that. I remember through the, this year um, before the, you know, the first tip of the first game, uh, watching some of the WNBA players say, I need to sit this one out because I got to do some work. Uh, one comes to mind is Renee Montgomery, who used to play for the Lynx, uh, a favorite player of mine. And and, and what she's been able to do. But yet again, to your point, Coach Reeve, uh, it, it's a shame that we have to see folks sit this out to do this work. But it's also, as a fan, I, it only you know, makes me prouder to be, be able to witness this league in action, uh, that it, it is bigger than basketball. Uh, let me get to a couple more uh, attendee questions. We want to reward the people who donated and came on for the show. Uh, Sarah asked, and I, anybody can address this who feels like this might be best for, for Cheryl, uh, with the possibility of a vaccine arriving on our shores, uh, do you think that there's a chance for the WNBA starting up on time and having fans in stands for this season? Yeah, I, I think, you know, I don't know if uh, Rachel and Fee have any information from Players Association, but I think that you know, right now we're in the boat of, of planning for multiple scenarios again until we know for sure. Um, you know, obviously the information changes every day. Uh, you know, just learning that we don't have as many vaccines as maybe we thought we did. Um, you know, things like that, that, uh, you know, um, you, you, have to, you have to be nimble. And Kathy Engelbert and her team continue to scenario plan. We would absolutely love, uh, I think, and Rachel and Fee, if you guys want to talk about, uh, which nobody really talked about was, how hard was it uh, to show up for a game, get yourselves ready, and know that your fans back home were watching, but there was nobody there um, other than, you know, uh, obviously our, our benches that were, were spread out. We had a couple of league people and a couple of people on the other side that were keeping stats. Um, you know, I, I hope like anything that we all can, you know, have a chance to be back together in Target Center and, and uh, you know, have fans back. I think we, we probably know that it's, you know, it, it would be hard to, uh, although I mean, the summer's a long time away. Can we get back to having 10,000 people in there? I sure hope so. I sure hope so. But Rachel and Fee, what was that, what was that bubble life like when it came to that? Well, I'd say like the first couple of games, it was weird. You had to like really get used to it because 
you know, we're in kind of in like a dark space um, and it's really just the court. There's not really much else to it. So that's obviously weird. You're like in a room. Um, but just like the first couple of games, it was kind of weird. Um, and then you got used to it. And for me, I think it was, I really, really cannot wait to play in front of our fans. Like that's <laughs> something obviously I really, really want. But for me as my first year, it was weirdly somewhat kind of nice because it was a little bit less pressure. And like, I'm, I'm willing to take on that pressure of playing in front of our fans that I can't wait, but it was a little bit less pressure, you know, like not maybe having everybody right there. And I know they're watching, but I was like, it just <laughs> felt a little less, you know, I just had Cheryl right, you know, right there. <laughs> but, Fee, Fee um, couldn't do that. I can't hear you, coach. <laughs> like she did next her rookie year. year. <laughs> next year, next year. <laughs> Rachel still did it, though. She did. Oh. <laughs> you wanna, do you remember the story? You want to tell the story? Uh, Rachel, you can tell the story. It's funny when you tell it. Wait, what happened? What story? When By you, the way, these, these. Go ahead. Get, go, go, Fee. No, it was just when uh, Coach was trying to tell you the play, and you're like, what? What? <laughs> okay, I'm really now, silent, Jim. <laughs> now, our opponent, our opponent, uh, I tried to discreetly give Rachel what we were going to run. Rachel looks over, and the person standing next to her turns, and this is what we do. We, we echo the play call of our opponent so we can help our players know what's coming. So was it Seattle, perhaps, I think? Uh, I, I – said the play call Rachel's like huh and I say it again and so their player heard the play told their staff and yelled out what the play was and what the action was and Rachel still didn't hear <laughs> or know <laughs> uh, and actually so you, know, you know what it was it wasn't even a hear it was a signal that's what it, that's what made it so oh, fun. Yeah. yeah it was pull shirt oh, yeah. yeah oh yeah, yeah so I'm going <laughs> Rachel and she's going what and the the opponent said uh, such and such wedge action da 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 and Rachel goes, I can't hear you. And I said, I didn't say anything. I just <laughs> pulled my shirt. So <laughs> she was pissed. It was so funny. <laughs> oh, like Rachel. Funny. <laughs> <laughs> but so Rachel, so so all of you know. Well, I, I got a couple of questions. Um, Rachel and Fee were our uh, a big part of the personality of our team. I don't know if that came through or not, but a big part of our chemistry. Um, you know, I, at one point I asked Rachel for more, I didn't want her to hold back. You know, I like, you want to have fun and you, you got to have personality and, you know, it's not just about, you know, running up and down playing. Um, but when did you guys know, uh, that we were going to be a good team? What, what was your, what was your sense when you had this, like, I think we're going to be pretty good. For me personally, I think it was, um, even our zoom calls, it's, we had a lot of new people again. Um, it was a lot of people's only second year on the team. Uh, so it's usually awkward when that happens. Um, it was really awkward for me last year. I'm like, when am I finally going to be friends with these people? Because this is weird. <laughs> but like from right away, it was just really comfortable for us. And then we met at Minnesota for before we went to the bubble. And it was just so easy to talk to everyone. And everyone got along so well. Um, our personalities meshed so well that that's, I feel like, kind of when I knew. Because chemistry is such a huge part of being a good team. You can have five all-stars on the court at the same time, but if they don't like each other, it shows when they play. Um, so the fact that we did and we wanted to play hard for each other, I think is what is one of the reasons why um, we had a good season. I agree. I think it was right away. I think when everyone met up in Minnesota, 
it was really fun. Like when we played, we played, well, I don't know if I can say this, but we played pickup. We already got in trouble for it, so it's fine. We already got in trouble for it, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we played pickup and like, it was just fun. Like we were just having a good time right from the jump and everyone was really comfortable. And then right when we got to the bubble, we played cards and um, yeah, we just like hung out or like belly flopped into the pool, you know, yeah. just like, doing fun <laughs> stuff. So I feel like right away I knew that we were, like, we got along really well and it was going to work out well. And um, we found out later that, because, you know, Rachel's kind of a weirdo, obviously. We're all kind of weirdos. <laughs> and we're like, we didn't see this when we were in Minnesota. She's like, well, I had to hold it back. I had to make you guys my friends first before I showed you everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. Rachel was pretty reserved. She was pretty reserved in Minnesota. I, was, I know. I think so. back, I'm like, who is that person? I don't even know her. <laughs> I was trying to seem like somewhat normal before I really just, it came in hot pretty quick. <laughs> that's why we love uh, her though i'm gonna i'm gonna offer a couple more questions from our attendees jillian asked is there any chance of any of you meaning links people coaches staff players getting together for the holidays is that a trick question <laughs> i think it is <laughs> I, i'm sure uh, I, I think your fans love your vibe and and want you to be together in some form you know but, I, but it's probably not possible Rachel, I'm coming yeah. over. <laughs> we can hang at Cheryl's. Okay. Yeah, you're, you're, you know, well, I have a, a decent sized backyard. We'll put you each in a corner and we can. The backyard <laughs> so, in December in Minnesota? Yeah, it's actually been nice. We're going to have 40 degrees here tomorrow. So oh, wow. maybe higher in some parts of Minnesota. I listened to Kara Levin's uh, broadcast. Um, you know, I think all of us want to, you know, we, we'd love to all be together. We don't necessarily spend Christmases together <laughs> typically, but. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think we'd all love to uh, the opportunity. So many people that I've, you know, messaged with, ah, we can't wait to see each other and actually kind of, you know, you know, be face to face. It's just, you know, we're just not there yet. And I think, you know, I'm willing to continue to sacrifice, uh, to try to get to the other side of this thing much quicker and, and, and to protect, you know, those around us. I think that's so important. I have a mom who's 81 and, you know, and I, I'm hopeful that, you know, uh, my mom won't let anybody in the house. So I know she's fine. It's just her and her dog Snickers. So uh, won't let my brothers in. It's awesome. They have to drop everything off at the porch. You know, <laughs> nobody's coming in. So um, I think we all just need to, you know, just try to hang in there and, and uh, you know, do the right things and see if we can't be like Australia. You know, Australia's I think, on day three of uh, no new cases. So, yeah, I mean, I sure would like to get there. I think we all would. And I hope everyone out there that, that's joined us is, it's hanging in there. Uh, I know it's not easy. Um, have a Bomba juice and it makes everything a little, little bit easier. Not you, Fee. <laughs> Why? <laughs> it's off season. I wonder, Fee, do you worry? You know, I've, I've had this concern myself because I've not seen people in person for so long that I might rub a little bit awkward when I see people again. Do you worry <laughs> that Rachel might be doubly <laughs> awkward when you see her again? No, I feel like. Rachel just has like a personality and we can't became so close over the summer that even if I didn't see her for like three years, we get together and it'd be like, nothing changed. Yes. 100%. <laughs> but Rachel, you, you struggle a little bit, right? Like you're struggling a little bit socially. You're cause you're such a social person. Uh, yes. Talk about, you know, how you're, how you're handling this and what are you doing? I'm so bored. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm going a little bit crazy, but yeah, like you said, I'm really social, so I miss talking to people. But any chance that I leave and go places, I say hi to everybody and have conversations safely. 
but I can tell I'm like, when I get out of the house and have a chance to talk to people like at the grocery store or anywhere, I don't shut up and it's a problem. <laughs> on um, so it's tough, but I'm excited for when we can finally kind of like be somewhat normal and I could be myself again. Well, I, I tell you what, I, I do a lot of podcasts. I cover a lot of sports. I really miss Lynx games because of the people. Uh, I, and I miss doing this show with Cheryl live where we get to see fans and supporters. In, and I hope by the time we do the show again next year, we can all be sitting around a table sharing a cocktail and actually looking each other in the eye rather than through a Zoom. That's, that's our goal. And, hey, I appreciate everybody doing this. We have a little way to go here. I do want to bring back in Glory Ramsey. Again, Glory runs Successful Marketing Group. That is a, the company that, uh, you know, obviously they do a great work. They also have been sponsoring our podcast for a long time. Glory, as you know, tonight is the person who put this winter wear drive together. It's the fifth year in a row she's done it. She's done great work. We also want to bring in our other sponsor, Cara Quinn from Vibe Realty. Cara's also been with us for a long time. So, Gloria and Cara, just tell, tell us when you're back in. And I will ask this question while we wait to make sure we have Gloria and Cara. Uh, Matthew Barnes asked, uh, this is for Cheryl, coaching USA basketball, does that help you acquire intel on either uh, prospects or other WNBA players? Yeah, for sure. You know, that was one thing I, I think I started to, to mention about the bubble. Um, you know, we, we got a lot of intel in the bubble. We were able to kind of observe uh, a lot of things and uh, players and that sort of thing. So really valuable there. And then obviously USA basketball, same concept. Um, you know, there's a lot of players in that USA B pool that you get a chance to spend time with. And it's invaluable. Um, you know, when you, when you have players that you're in a timeout with them, um, you, you, you get to see them in, in a different way in, in terms of, you know, their ability to, you know, consume the information, execute the information. Uh, those are probably the most uh, valuable times. I think it's well-documented. Jess Shepard being a part of, you know, just a couple of days with USAB. Uh, and, you know, we were, I was coaching uh, her team and, um, you know, her and Enrique and, and, and uh, I think Lasia Clarendon. We, we had a really good team. You know, I think on paper, they had a better team. They had a lot bigger names, but we had a team that, uh, just played really well together, knew how to play basketball. And that was when I first really kind of uh, – I enjoyed watching Jess Shepard play, uh, but then actually coaching her and seeing what you could do with her, uh, it was even more exciting. So that, that's obviously – and such a great story. Uh, Jess at that time was you know probably 40 pounds heavier than uh, than, she, than her playing weight now. Um, I remember saying to Jess, you know, that's, that's probably the only thing standing in the way of you having a, a chance and, and – uh, and I, now that I'm around Jess a little bit more, I understand uh, her way. She said, okay. Uh, and then she just went and lost 40 pounds and she's like, okay, yeah, this is great. You know, she just very easy going, uh, but consume the information. Uh, and I think is, is, uh, has a chance to be a pretty good WNBA player. If we can, if we can uh, have her health cooperate with us. Uh, but yeah, USAB is, you know, that time spent really, really valuable and not just, you know, American players, but you get to see, uh, a lot of players abroad and, um, you know, but yeah, it's, it's very valuable. You there, Glory? Yep. Why don't you take the reins here for a minute? Okay, cool. So um, I just wanted to um, read something to everyone from Beth Holger. She is the CEO of the link, um, which is a, um, an agency that we work with, uh, with United Way, uh, a rise project and they deal with um, 
uh, youth experiencing homelessness. They also do an amazing work with um, uh, issues of sex trafficking. I mean, the organization is amazing and Beth is amazing. So I'm just going to um, read this from Beth real quick. Um, I just wanted to thank all of you so much for doing this Winter Wear Drive. I have had the honor to work with youth experiencing homelessness since 1999, and they, all, they are all incredible young people. I now work at a nonprofit in North Minneapolis, The Link, who has benefited from this drive. And I know we and all of the youth here who benefit from the drive truly appreciate this. Along with the awareness, it brings on the issue of youth homelessness, which is a social justice issue rooted in the larger issue of racism, homophobia, and transphobia. As we see um, Black Indigenous people of color and LGBTQ plus youth over, overrepresented in the homeless youth population, thank you all. We need to keep these youth warm, loved, and supported. They deserve it, and again, cannot say enough how incredible these young people are. Strong, smart, resilient, and always teaching me daily. Thank you so much. So I just wanted everybody who's on as an attendee who has donated, and a lot of you have donated all five years. So thank you very much. And uh, I just wanted everybody to hear that. Um, how you are making a difference, and Jim and Cheryl and Jana and Fee and Rachel, thank you so much. Really, just thank you. Well, this is the least we can do. Uh, we're all very happy to do it. We really appreciate you putting it together. We wouldn't be doing this if you hadn't put it together. So thank you, Kara. Uh, how are you? I'm seeing you in a long time. We need to we need to get our society right so we can actually go out to live shows again. We do. We do. Thank you, Jim. I'm so happy to be here, and I. Um... You know, I completely agree with what Cheryl said. I think we all just need to hang in there a little bit longer and keep doing the right thing. And I, I truly do believe that brighter days are, are just around the corner. But um, yeah, it would be so much more fun in person. But you know what? We're making this work. This has been, this has been a fun evening. And if anybody needs a realtor, you can find Cara, C-A-R-A-Q-U-I-N-N. She now works for Vibe Realty. Cara, just briefly, uh, you did change agencies. Uh, what brought you over to Vibe? You know, I did change agencies and, um, you know, the short version of kind of a long story is that it's, um, it's just really important to me that the people I work with have shared values around some of the things that are important to us, um, social justice being one of those things. And it was really after the, after the murder of George Floyd that I started to realize that there were some you know, maybe the, the level of like-mindedness wasn't there with the, with the, with some of the other folks at the brokerage I was at. And I was familiar with Vibe Realty, um, just kind of through working with the industry and really, just really appreciated the stance that they took, um, really appreciate their, um, kind of their focus on giving back to the community and on speaking up. You know, I think, there are so many components, so many businesses, so many individuals that just kind of choose to remain silent in the face of some of the challenges that, that we've seen. And I think we all know, you know, silence is complicity. Um, and, you know, I think that's one of the things I've just so appreciated about 
Cheryl and the Minnesota Lynx community is that, you know, it's great basketball, of course, but it's bigger than just basketball. And, you know, remaining silent really isn't an option if we're going to move the needle and move ourselves forward. And um, so that was, you know, kind of the short version. That was why I switched to Vibe. And I've just been, couldn't be happier. They're just really great people doing the right thing. Um, can't say enough about their willing to kind of step up and, you know, and match my donation to sponsor this event tonight. And it's just a great place to be. That's great to hear. Well, we're going to be talking more to you and about your, your move over there and about real Thank you. so much for everything. Thanks again to Gloria Ramsey. Uh, another basketball question for y'all. Uh, Margaret asks, uh, all I want for Christmas is a list of goals. And she, she pointed that at Cheryl, but I think we can ask uh, our players as well. What are, what are your goals going, coming into this next season? Oh, I got a really good letter, a really good fan letter recently, and I and I held on to it because it it encapsulates everything that needs to happen. I think that the person said uh, that they were sorry that we didn't uh, win a championship this year, but all we needed to do was sign a couple good free agents, make a couple trades, and have a good draft, and and we'll be back uh, competing for a championship. So that's in a nutshell what we're what we're trying to do. Uh, no, I think. Uh, goals wise, uh, I, I really like the group that we have. Uh, we, I think we uh, all have such good feelings about uh, the team that we assembled uh, to go into 2020. I remember uh, just before the draft when we were meeting as a staff uh, and understanding that we were going to have a very unique season and the possibility of a bubble, uh, bubble life meant that you better make sure you get it right. You better make sure you've got really good people uh, that know how to play basketball. Otherwise, this thing is going to be a train wreck. Uh, and so we put a premium. We always do, right? We always put a premium on the quality of the individual. Uh, and so it was even more so. And, um, you know, I, I think about, you know, just like, like Fee and, and Rachel talked about the very beginning. Uh, it just was easy. Uh, and I remember being in Minneapolis and, and my my sentiment was, you know, to our staff, we said, we got it right. We walked around saying we won the culture game. We, we didn't even get started, but we said we won the culture game. Uh, and as I tell our players all the time that uh, that's worth something, that's worth wins. You know, we really strongly believe that. Uh, there's a reason why people chase this idea of, of chemistry uh, because it, it breeds success. And, and so it was not a surprise to us when we were in training camp, we started looking around going, this is a really good, good group, a good vibe. I didn't know how many games we were going to win, uh, especially when you think about we lost Kareem and Christmas Kelly and then Sylvia Fowles seven games into the season. Uh, we ended up having uh, the best offensive rating in the league after uh, we lost Sil. Uh, Fee moved to the four, uh, Demir's to five. You know, we had some fun with kind of how – uh, we would play offense. Rachel really emerged, got a little more comfortable. Um, coach finally played her uh, a little bit more um, and didn't yank her for simple mistakes. Right, Rachel? Uh, so we kind of, you know, we, 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 we kind of jumped that hurdle and got to, we just got a really good groove. Now defensively, that would be my goal. Now we were not a good defensive team. We were not a great rebounding team. Uh, had we been that, and I think I told our group, we were in the semifinals and I said, Hey, can you imagine that if somebody came to me and said, hey, coach, all that stands between you and a championship is defense and rebounding, how excited that would make me? Uh, because offense is the harder part. Offense is the talent. That's, that's hard to do. It takes a lot of practice. Uh, defense and rebounding, as everybody knows, doesn't take talent. Heart, effort, communication, that sort of thing. That's what stood between this team 
uh, you know, being a semifinalist and being a finalist and competing for a championship. And um, we, we just couldn't get that side uh, where we, where we needed it to be at an elite level. Uh, so that will be on our minds. Uh, and so what does that mean? Um, you know, I think for, for me as a coach, it means I have to really look at how we do things and maybe that we've done things in the past that have been really successful, that maybe this team needs a different identity. Uh, so we're going to spend a lot of time, you know, kind of, um, you know, slicing and dicing the video and, and getting thoughts together. And, and I'll be doing a lot of conversating uh, with, with uh, some of my colleagues uh, and see if we can't get better in that area, because I truly believe that's something that uh, if we can figure that out and you can have the best combination of offense and defense, you're in business and you have a chance to compete for a title. Uh, and so this team, you know, we'll, we'll do our, our thing in free agency. Uh, you know, we're not going to go crazy. We don't have long lists. We don't have, you know, well, if you don't get this one, you go here, 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 here. No, we've got one or two players uh, that we would love to add. Um, and and if, if that happens, great. If not, we still think we've got a really good basketball team. Uh, we'll go to the draft and, and do the same thing. Um, you know, hope that we get the quality of individuals that, that we've gotten. That'll be, you know, paramount importance. Uh, and then, you know, let, let's see what the next season brings. Looks like we're about $80 away from $16,000. Uh, so if anybody can chip in a little bit more, we'd like to get over that threshold uh, and people can donate all week. So share the word, givemn.org slash WWD or, and just check out social media. You'll see it all over the place as well. Uh, Jana, do you want to wrap up the show? No pressure. Right? Seriously, it's like every male co-anchor I've ever had does that. Like, oh, by the way, I'm done. You take it home. I am. I'm drinking. I know. Which is why I do my work alone now. Um, First of all, good to know, Coach, that you read your fan mail. Uh, That that letter was probably from that guy that was heckling you at the game (laughs) 10 years ago. Uh, but one thing that sticks out to me, and again, my experience with this team is both, you know, kind of as a kind of as a reporter, but mostly as a fan uh, for many, many years. Uh, Cheryl had always said, you show me somebody that says this game isn't worth watching. I'll give them two tickets. Come to the game and talk to me after. Obviously can't do that now. But this year, Jim pointed it out earlier. The viewership for almost every sport is down except for the WNBA, the WNBA that didn't have fans that had a condensed season. And you were the first really to get out there and start this thing, uh, brought more eyeballs to the game than it had previously. What does it mean to you to see your game continue to grow and get bigger and bigger uh, for those of us watching? I'll call on you fee. (laughs) Uh, I think it's amazing. And I think it's absolutely what coach is saying. Um, you know, the people who are saying it's not fun to watch, blah, blah, blah. They've never seen a game. And when they do, people love watching. Um, I personally think we're a lot more fun to watch than the men. I think we're a lot more technical. I think we play way smarter. Unbiased opinion, of course. Um, <laughs> Agree. Yeah. Back. I mean, it's quality ball we're doing. We're entertaining. We're talented. The people coming out are better and better each year. So why wouldn't you want to watch it? It's except if you had some prejudice against it to begin with. But once you break through that and you give it a chance, I mean, it's really fun to watch. And I think people are starting to see that. 
Rachel, how about you? I mean, you you had the benefit. I mean, Fee, you went to UConn. Rachel, you you grew up watching what happened with Lindsey Whalen at the U in those games. That's how. That's what got me into it. It wasn't my stellar play as a high school basketball player. It was actually watching Lindsey Whalen's team like at the U. Uh, so in Minnesota, we're used to having packed houses, loud fans. Like it's unbelievable. But now the country's watching. Yeah, it's so cool. Um, I'm glad that you guys shared that. I actually didn't know that that fact, so that's super cool. Um, but like you said, like in Minnesota, the fans have always been great. But I like that Cheryl or what Cheryl said is like, come to a game. I don't really want to hear it until you come to a game and you watch us play, and then we'll talk afterwards. And that's really what I say now when people talk crap. I just, who cares? If you haven't watched us play, and then I don't want to hear it because, you know, it's mostly people just, they don't know what they're talking about anyways. But let's not go down that rabbit hole. <laughs> um yeah so it's there are fewer so though these days i've noticed as covering this team and covering sports and covering news they're far fewer you know and, and and it's getting better uh it's not getting better fast enough like any progress uh but i don't know cheryl has anybody ever taken you up on that have they taken two tickets come to a game and said i don't like what i saw yeah it's, it never happened uh <laughs> never happened uh because we know uh you know but it's it's getting it's it's really interesting uh, it only took a pandemic for us to get the kind of coverage, uh, the number of games uh, that, that we're seeing. So hopefully the pandemic uh, sort of changed the way that even uh, those that, that have a choice of what they put on, uh, you know, be it ESPN or CBS or, you know, all the, all the sports, there's many different ways to consume a game. Uh, but I think we saw, I think what people have been saying, if you just put us on, people are going to watch. Uh, and so that's what we saw with the ratings. And then I think something else that's been really important, uh, not that we need men to validate us, but I, I truly do think that uh, the men of the NBA being such big fans uh, of the WNBA uh, sort of helps that population. Maybe that Rachel's talking about, you know, that kind of that, uh, that guy that, you know, played high school ball and says, yo, I can beat you one-on-one or, you know, you know, you, you couldn't beat my J, you know, the things that they would say, I, I think, that that's starting, like you said, is starting to become less and less. Uh, society's evolving a little bit more. We're getting a little more comfortable about women playing uh, professional sports. There's a lot of things at play here. Uh, but I do think like something like uh, the orange WNBA hoodie being the, the biggest selling item on Fanatics of any item they were selling. Uh, they, they blew that out of the water. And I do think um, that the NBA players, in addition to WNBA players, um, you know, sort of, I think, are a part of uh, kind of the movement uh, in, in favor of women's sports. So I, don't, I, I think, uh, you know, I always say, you know, it's not the, it's not the, it's not the kids, it's the adults, right? Um, I call the, the NBA players the kids. Well, the, the uh, NBA, you know, executives, that sort of thing, aren't the ones that are, that are moving this along, uh, not moving the WNBA along. It's actually... Uh, the NBA players who are friends, you know, with a lot of these players and recognize uh, the quality of basketball. So uh, there's a lot of things that work here and it, it, it's fun to see the growth. Well, congratulations to all of you for an incredible season. Uh, as I, I think I cried, tweeted a lot after your last game, it's just, it was a privilege to watch this team from game one to the last game. Uh, it was, it, it, it just really was, it was, it was a story. It was almost like a movie uh, watching 
each of you grow into your roles or take different roles. I mean, you lose Sylvia Fowles. It's like, now what do we do? And it's like, I don't know, I guess we'll just win games and, <laughs> and we'll find other ways. So it's, it's truly a testament to you coach as a general manager and as coach to your players. Uh, and, and then a thank you to you all for continuing to do stuff like this, because um, I have learned a lot in the last month about how hungry folks are, your fans, Minnesotans asking themselves, what can I do? This year sucks. What can I do at home to make it a little bit better and a little bit brighter or a little bit warmer? And this is something that they can do. They can give to, they can give 20 bucks, 50 bucks, five bucks. doesn't matter. It all adds up. So I appreciate all of you. Uh, you have always uh, never put one thing first and one thing second. It was always yes and community, social justice, helping people who need a hand. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Thanks so much to Jana for being part of this. Uh, she's, she's fantastic at what she does. She brings a big audience to these issues. We really appreciate her and Carol Levin. Uh, we're over 16,000 now. Uh, we're, we want to get to 20,000 by the end of the week. So again, spread the word. We appreciate it. And uh, I want to thank everybody involved, Glory for organizing, Cheryl for being you know, the, the very important figure she is, uh, Rachel and Fee for joining us and and always having such good hearts and loud voices. Uh, and Cheryl, I'm going to leave to you to, to wrap the show up any way you like. Yeah, I appreciate it. Um, uh, I appreciate your, your sentiments, Jana. Um, your support in our community, you know, is, is so meaningful oh. to us. And uh, be remiss if I didn't say thanks to Fee and Rachel uh, for, for joining. Um, you know, there was uh, just a quick message to say, we're doing something special. Do you want to be a part? And they said, absolutely, of course. So appreciate you too uh, with your time. Uh, I know, Rachel, you know, um, you were breaking away for something that you were doing. It was really important, right? Uh, you said, yes, I want to do it. I want to talk to some people. Um, <laughs> but I really, um, I, I don't think I've had a chance enough to to thank uh, Glory and uh, Glory Ramsey and Successful Marketing and Cara Quinn uh, for their great, great support of our show uh, for, uh, I guess we're over a hundred shows and, and we just so appreciate the, the sponsorship and the ways that you support us. And Glory, I don't think enough is told about the story uh, of how this came to be uh, five years ago. This was something, and, and you know, uh, if, if Glory, I don't know if you want to come back on and kind of tell the story, you'll probably tell it better, but uh, where this started in, in uh, you know, kind of in your living room. Uh, and I think we might've had a conversation, you know, what are you working on? And, and so Glory shared and somehow we got the idea of doing a, a live show, live podcast and combining it with uh, Glory's efforts. And we provided the, the podcast and, and, and Glory did great work and got the word out and people would come drive by and give us a bunch of donations. And uh, I think we had a goal of $5,000 very early on Five years later, fast forward, um, and, and this has really uh, become something uh, that I, I told Gloria, I'm just so proud uh, of her efforts um, and obviously doing something so meaningful for uh, the homeless youth. And, and uh, so I'm honored uh, to be a part of this. Thank you once again, Glory, for all the work that you've done with this. Uh, let's get to $20,000 uh, and we can provide very, very meaningful help and uh, really important statistic that young homeless youth, uh, if we can get to them and we can get them help, uh, they have a much better chance of being successful. Um, and, and so I think that all of us want to contribute directly. Uh, and this is one way to do it. And, and we can, we can be a part of meaningful change. 
That was amazing. Um, I'm like sitting over here, blaclamped. I'm like, <laughs> uh, seriously, um, I can't say it better, Cheryl. You, you did. Yes. Thank you very much. Um, yeah, I, actually, I'll tell you really quick. Um, it was in 2016. Um, and I was like, okay, I not happy about this president and what can I do? Um, and so being on the board of, um, United Way Arise Project, it just made sense to, um, try and, and help, um, you know, the homeless youth here in the Twin Cities. And, and uh, uh, also another really staggering um, statistic is that Minnesota is the number one state in the country um, for at-risk youth uh, for homelessness. So, and it's, you know, 20 below in January. I mean, how crazy is this? And I'm from Texas. I can't even imagine being outside in 20 below, much less you know, not having enough clothes to wear. Um, this is also during the time that most of these homeless youth have to go to the emergency room with um, uh, winter related injuries like frostbite and worse. So again, thank you everyone. Um, this is very important and um, I appreciate every single one of you guys. So thank you. Thank you all. Uh, once again, Cheryl's the best, uh, and, and it's been a privilege to cover people like uh, Rachel and Fee. Uh, I don't know, Cheryl, anything else you want to say before we, we log off here? Well, of course, I'd be remiss if I didn't say thanks to all that, that joined and all the, all the, the great fans of the Minnesota Lynx. We so appreciate you. Can't wait to see everyone again and, and be around each other, uh, and hopefully that'll happen soon. Thank you, everyone. Have a good night. Have a uh, Bamba juice and keep donating. Happy holidays. Happy holidays. Thank you. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye.